You're listening to Travel Tales with Fergal. Hello, I'm Fergal O'Keefe and you're very welcome to my podcast Travel Tales with Fergal. The podcast will come out every Tuesday when I'll be chatting to special guests about their travels, adventures and experiences living abroad. We talk about culture, people, food, politics, history, tourism and expat lives, just to name some of the topics in season one. There are people from all walks of life with one thing in common, they all have great travel stories. This episode was not out on Tuesday this week because I attended the funeral of Tom Gavigan, my father-in-law, yesterday. It was a lovely funeral, but very different in the time of COVID. The church was restricted to only 25 but there was friends and neighbours in Kells County Mead paying their respects on the side of the road all the way from his house to the church. So there was a real sense of a whole town whilst being apart, coming together to celebrate a life lived to the full. We really do funerals well in Ireland. It is deep rooted in our culture to celebrate a life when it passes and to give time to the mourning. With the COVID restrictions, that was curtailed. But when you see the streets lined with neighbours, there was still that powerfully cathartic feeling of a community mourning together. One of the offerings brought up during the Mass was a wine shirt to represent Tom's sense of adventure and love of travel. Tom was one of the inspirations for this travel podcast. I loved hearing his stories of going to race meetings abroad like Cheltenham, Aintree and Hong Kong. There were great stories and real adventures. And I grew up listening to very similar stories from my own dad, James O'Keefe. Stories of going to the UK and France and big betting coups. When I was young, my dad would often take out a battered old biscuit tin which contained faded photos of my dad's adventures. He had been in the Merchant Navy and he'd sailed around Africa, the Middle East, all around the world. He'd been on the last ship to get out of the Suez Canal during the Suez Crisis when the ship behind him had been blown up. So all these stories fuel my imagination and I loved hearing all, the, all these travel tales. Therefore, I would like to dedicate this podcast to the memory of both Tom Gavigan and James O'Keefe. One thing I learned during these interviews is that everyone has a great travel story. So I hope these chats will inspire you to dream of future travel and future adventures the same way they inspired me. I really look forward to sharing this journey with you. So please subscribe now to get every episode every Tuesday. I'd also ask you to join me on Instagram for updates at Travel Tales with Fergal. Okay, I'm going to share some stories now to give you a flavour of season one. I think you're going to really enjoy them. The first clip is the adventurer, Damien Brown, and in the clip he's talking about the time he was rowing solo across the Atlantic. As they say, roll it there, Colette. That must have been intense. That, that was the... <laughs> That was the craziest day of my life by a, a long, long way. It was a storm, um, basically, and when I was asleep, the boat was at the mercy of the elements, right? So that would mean that the boat would go side on to the waves, and the waves would kind of come over the top of it, and that's what happened that morning, basically, in that storm. Uh, I'm fast asleep in the cabin at around, I can't remember, six or seven in the morning, and I'm woken up when um, I'm propelled 
by the force of the wave that's hit the boat into the side of the cabin head first and I split my head open and the um, boat goes on a capsize. So, so I, was, I was like smashed into the side of the cabin head first and I'm trying to figure out what the hell is going on. You know, like it's like the way the day went then, it was like I had another capsize later on that um, afternoon where I ended up, I was out on deck and I ended up going into the water with um, the boat as it was kind of going over. And then holding onto the boat with one hand while it went 360 or well, 180 degrees underwater and just been in this like really calm state when, you know, I should have been in absolute terror and chaos because if my hand had come off that handle that I just instinctively grabbed, well, it, it, it could have been it, you know, I could have been separated from the boat and I could have been it brown bread game over, you know, because there's no way. If I if I get separated from that boat, that's it. Like there's no way I'm I'm get, catching it again, especially in a storm. Even to this day, I'm you know I'm still kind of in awe of that uh, moment and that I was I was so calm when I went into the water. That was Damien Brown, who has an incredible story, and he will actually be our guest, our first guest next week. I really look forward to sharing that. Next, we have clips from singer Jerry Fish and screenwriter Mark Halloran, who also have some great stories to share. When I first started travelling, I went off, as I said, I went off to uh, the Sinai Desert. I went off to the desert and there was, a, there was a beach called Taba and it was the first beach I ever slept on. And uh, I just remember in the, in the sleeping bag looking at the stars going, you know, are you allowed to do this? Is People are just let me, am I allowed to do this? I did, couldn't believe that you could actually live with nothing, that the stars as a blanket was enough, you know. And I think uh, I never recovered, you know. It was definitely, uh, I, I was a beach bum from then on in. So living as a beach bum has, has definitely been my happiest uh, uh, travel memory for sure, you know. An interesting one. I, I travelled down from Istanbul all the way down through Turkey and then I walked across the the Turkish border into into Syria got a taxi when I got inside the border after I'd walked across the border and I went to the town of Aleppo the city of Aleppo which is I mean it was amazing it was really amazing it's all 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 gone now and I just had my my card and my credit card thinking I'll just get some money out of the ATM but of course Syria was locked out of the, the the world banking service because they were a pariah nation interestingly enough I mean People like to, you know, especially somewhere like Syria or Iran, they like to say that it's monolithically, you know, conservative. And yeah, like yeah. When I was in Syria, I stayed in this beautiful hotel in Aleppo, which was inside the old city, the old wall city, which is completely destroyed now. And there was a souk there, which is like this, it was just hundreds of years old, of these little alleyways and little shops. And... Uh, it was the most Middle Eastern place I'd ever been to at the time. I, like, it was very different to Turkey even, you know, which is very European in many ways. Um, but I left my hotel and I was a bit kind of like, Jesus, where am I? And this guy comes over and says, where are you from? I said, I'm from Ireland. And he said, do you know the Mr. Oscar Wilde? And I said, yeah. And he said, I am like the Mr. Oscar Wilde. And I said, really? And he goes, yes, I am a vegetarian. I'm a vegetarian too. And then he said, I think we understand each other. And I was going, this code is fucking out of control. (laughs) Classic. This is the worst code I've ever heard. I've also interviewed some great sports people for the podcast. 
I've got two clips coming up now. One, Clare legend Anthony Daly, and the other is Line and former World Player of the Year Keith Wood. Enjoy. You were on the jet skis. I remember hearing a story about you. Was that you? That uh, no, no, that was Thailand. That was Thailand. <laughs> that was Thailand. We were on a beach, yeah, in Pattaya as well. Yeah, that was dangerous stuff. Yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ, some of the stuff that went on. And it was lucky, like, I fell off the back of my one and, and uh, I think it was Fergal Hagerty and Brian Lohan and Lohan said, go on over and frighten the shit out of him. Like, you know, but then Hagar kind of lost control uh, and like, the jet, the jet ski passed my face by about four inches. Like, if it hit me, it was like, it was game over. Like, you know, these two men jet skis. Oh, yeah, you, you just think back and say, how do we all come back in one piece? Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. a few broken bones and stuff like that. All right, like, you know, with fellas doing diving tricks and stuff like that and all sorts of stuff. But uh, look, sure, uh, we all got back in one piece. And that's the beauty as well, for of the 25-year this year, is that we're all still around, thank God. And hopefully we all, you know, we, we would have been over and done with on the 18th of August if, if we were in a normal year. But hopefully if it goes ahead, we're management and all the players are still around. But, you know, you go through a lot of the counties uh, are not lucky enough to be able to say that. Travel Tales with Fergal. Um, I do like an experience. So I found, uh, I found that I went to the World Cup in Tokyo um, and I haven't really gone to, you know, I don't tend to go on Lions tours afterwards or, um, but I found Tokyo unbelievable. I couldn't get over how well they did it. I I thought it was incredibly friendly. I thought it was different enough um, to get really excited by it. I, I went on one day with one of my friends. Um, we got a we got a train. We went out to the mountains on, on the fast trains and got into a bus where we were the only uh, non-Japanese on the bus. Up, in, up into the mountains, went into a place where mostly nearly entirely Japanese tourists were going for part of their heritage, what it was like 150 years ago. And we didn't meet anybody else. We weren't meeting anybody, from, you know, any rugby people there. It was phenomenal. And uh, Shingayako was, was where it was. It was a living, breathing, old-style village. And then you had the older village, which wasn't living and breathing. It was like a museum for it on, on two sides of a river. That was extraordinary because it was just very different. And I liked that idea. And it was also very much in touch with nature, very much in, in the wilderness almost. Um, and for that, it was it was amazing. And we were, I have to say, you now there are experiences that... Uh, that I really like. And, and it was funny, I met up with a lot of the guys I played with over, over the 20 years or whatever it was. And, and the friends that you make over that, we had a sing song coming back in, in a minivan back from the World Cup final with uh, Brian Abana and George Gregan and John Schmidt. And we we're just roaring, laughing all the way back, you know, it's uh, just having a proper sing song. That's one of my memories of it. That's a very simple thing. That could have happened anywhere. It just happened to happen after a World Cup final. We are going to interview travel experts. And in this season, we have a great interview with Dawn Hiddle, who's the owner of Pike's Hotel in Ibiza, which is a legendary, iconic hotel where they recorded Club Tropicana, the Wham video. And Freddie Mercury used to have legendary parties and many rock and roll stars ever since. So she's got some great stories. Here's Dawn talking about Freddie Mercury's 41st birthday party. 
Freddy's, which are now we have people, we have a lot of incredible parties, such as our sort of signature night is Monday nights with DJ Harvey. We have artwork, we've had Jamie XS, Black Madonna, um, lots of incredible people playing there. And it's a very tiny, intimate gig. It's got the same sound system as um, DC10, which is completely out of respect. It's got a sort of secret little door that leads through to a bar called the Potting Shed. And it very much is where Freddie Mercury had his 41st birthday party. And that was a big event where he flew in lots of people. You know, the whole of Queen were there. There was um, a lot of sort of Spanish royalty, all sorts of people. And he flew in a giant um, a cake for, I think, 400 people on a private jet from Barcelona. He had, I think, 2,000 bottles of champagne. He... It went on for days and, you know, in true sort of flamboyant Freddy style, it sort of set the bar for what we see as our sort of events in there. And once the year in honour of, of Freddy and what he sort of gave to Pites and, and the mark he left, we do a Freddy Rocks event. Another feature which we're going to be doing regularly is called Expat Lives, where we interview expats from around the world. They talk about their life abroad what it's like, recommendations about their work, about their experiences. An example that we have here coming up now is John Carey, who has been a CEO for oil companies for the last over 30 years throughout the world. For the easiest thing to relate to is nobody dislikes the Irish. <laughs> you know, there, there isn't a, a, a kind of a group of people that says, oh my God, it's the Irish. Whereas most other countries, certainly the big countries, whether you're US, whether UK, you have the caricatures or, or, or the images. With the Irish, you know, the images, friendliness, the images, openness, but actually the Irish passport gets you a long, long way, uh, whether it's in the US or the UAE or in South Africa. So it certainly, certainly has helped. <laughs> also going to have journalists and broadcasters and next up is con murphy and richard fitzpatrick we went up this staircase we weren't quite sure where we were going we thought well it's going up so we'll have a better view if we're high and stuff next thing we find ourselves in the commentary box beside peter o'sullivan who's about to call his last ever grand national i, I could touch him like he was within arm's reach of me so i thought this is amazing and um so the race is getting ready, the horses are going around and the excitement is building. Myself and Des are waiting to get kicked out, but nobody's come up. And next thing, we see there's a bit of a commotion down below. People are starting to walk out onto the track and stuff. And we're not, obviously we have no headphones on, we have no radio, nothing. And it turns out it was the year of the, the bomb scare. The race was cancelled and everybody had to leave the race course and make their way over to the train station or back to their car. So literally a policeman came up to the commentary booth and said, sorry, folks, you've got to get out of here. Uh, Peter O'Sullivan included. So we never got to see the race for starters. And we never got to see Peter O'Sullivan doing his last ever Grand National commentary. So, But in terms of you know things like events that you wanted to go to, that was one of them. <laughs> Uh, with the coronavirus um, uh, Spain at large is really grappling uh, with the virus it's not doing so well and Barcelona and Madrid is the two big urban centers the two big cities are sur sur suffering the worst um, it's, it's bad as well up in Zaragoza um, so I mean that's consuming people um, 
because of the virus and then the impact it's had on the economy. Um, so, I mean, p- people aren't thinking um, much beyond that virus and how to, to, um, how to deal with it at the moment. I mean, tourism is a huge part of the economy of Barcelona. I mean, it's an industrial city, but tourism as well. It must have really affected it over the summer. Oh, it's absolutely dramatic. Um, The city is still, this is six or seven months into it now, and uh, the city is like a ghost town. Um, Spain had a pretty severe uh, lockdown, March to May, uh, more or less. And then they, they, they quickly try to reopen the economy and uh, tourism is is a pillar of the Spanish economy, like one in seven euro of um, the Spanish economy comes from tourism. So they were desperate to, to kickstart that again, but uh, they they did their their best, but by and large, there, there hasn't been um, uh, international tourists haven't come back to the country. Um, so you can see it uh, before your eyes. In my neighborhood, I live pretty uh, 15 or 20 minutes walk from the center of the city, from La Rambla. Um, the, the bars, the restaurants are just shuttered. Um, uh, back in June in the city, only one-fifth of the city's hotels opened up. Uh, now that the furlough payments, the Erte, they're called here in Spain, are finishing up. Four out of ten restaurants and bars won't reopen. Um, the Restaurants Association believe in the city. If you if you walk down La Rambla, it's, it's chilling. It's so empty compared to what it, it would be normal. I used to live off La Rambla for a couple of years when I first got to the city. It's just empty. Even um, people, visitors to Barcelona would know Sagrada Familia, the Gaudi church in the city. That has stopped construction because um, the construction of that church depends on tourist income people who come along and pay the entrance fee to go into the into see the work so that is has stopped so it's it's just every everywhere like more it's affected more uh, than other countries because spain is so dependent on on tourism and, and particularly a city like barcelona next up we have two comedians carol spain from ireland and patrick monaghan from the uk Both are brilliant storytellers, as all comedians are. I actually have a comedy club in Clamel um, for the last 15 years, so I'm going to have lots of comedians as guests, and they're always great. You're described as an Irish-Iranian comedian, which is a lethal mix, I would say. I, it goes from, I've seen every expression on a, on a, you know, on a border security card's face, (laughs) like literally from confusion to like, and then panic, and then sometimes they just laugh. Or I remember I was going, I was doing some gigs, and I was going from like, I had to fly out from, I was doing them in Turkey, then I was going out to the Middle East, Abu Dhabi, Dubai, Bahrain, and then I was coming across. And I remember going through all these different uh, border controls, and because it's bad enough uh, when you're just traveling through Europe, but when you're going from Europe, then out to the Middle East, and because I've got two passports, so I had like, my original was the Iranian passport, and then my other one is my Irish passport, which is brilliant. People love the Republic of Ireland. That passport is the best one ever, Fergal. You can go anywhere with that. I recommend this to anyone. Just get that. And I know, look, there'll be people listening to this who are from, who are, who are in England or in, in Britain, the UK, whatever. Get yourself an Irish passport. It's not that hard. Get over whatever you need to do. Bribe an official. Put somebody in an envelope. <laughs> 
awful lot. Yeah. Um, the comedian arrived with who will remain nameless for this. Like as we're driving in from the airport, I went. This actually reminds me of Budapest. I was in Budapest, and, and he go and the, the other guy goes, "Yeah, because it is Budapest." I went, "No, it's Bucharest." He goes, "No, it's Budapest." And your man was driving. Just like, <laughs> How did you get on the plane? <laughs> he thought he was in he Budapest. He thought he was in Budapest. I was like, Bucharest. And he goes, no, no. And I was like, oh, why do you keep correcting me? <laughs> Classic. So there you go. I hope you enjoyed those clips. I have lots of great interviews and a lot more to do. So I really hope that you go on this journey with me. You'll also get to learn a little bit about me. I'm originally from Clare. I live in Clamel, County Tipperary now. And here's a little clip of an interview I did with Tara Lockery Grant. But you know what? You always had the two of you, whether, whatever stage, whether it was college or work or um, you lived in Galway, so a different yeah. place where you lived in. You were always the couple. I always thought it was fab, the two of you, a great sign of your relationship as well, that you had the wall of books, earmarked, dog-eared travel books. I always <laughs> thought that was a great sign. Obviously, we've moved on. A lot of that's online. But I always thought this is genuine with you guys. You love it. You live and breathe it. And it's, it, I think that's one of the that's reasons true. this podcast is going to be great. Listen for real travel lovers or people like me who are, who are curious. Yeah. So I love that. You share the passion. But I think Travel Tales with Fergal, you're going to drop this once a week. Yes, that's the plan. I can't wait. You're absolutely the person to do it. I've loved talking to you. The very best of luck. Thank you very much, Tara. Thanks for taking us all uh, with you. you on your journey. Okay, that's it for our first episode. We have the great adventurer Damien Brown next week for our very first interview. Also, I remind you again to subscribe and leave a review if you can. Um, you can follow me on Travel Tales with Fergal on Facebook and Instagram. I look forward to sharing the journey with you. Safe travels. Take care. Goodbye. Travel Tales with Fergal.